0: The Paul Leslie Hour. Helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you folks? Today, we are joined by Joel Murray. Joel Murray is an actor of the stage and screen. A very versatile writer and director. You might know him from such television series and films as Mad Men, God Bless America, Shameless, Dharma and Greg, the artist, more than 250 sitcom episodes. He's also a part of the improvised comedic show Who's Live Anyway, which is coming to the southeastern United States, Georgia, North Carolina, Texas, and then beyond. You can check out Who'sLiveAnyway.com. May 8th, he's going to be in Atlanta at the Tabernacle, which I'll be there as well. And so, Joel Murray, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, sir?
1: I'm pretty good. Good morning, Paul. I'm in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, overlooking the Arch here. The Cubs are in town, and unfortunately, we have a show at the same time as the ball game. Uh, but uh, I would have liked to have taken that in.
0: Oh man, <laughs> occupational hazard.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's just a tease. I was actually in an elevator last night with Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Moro, the closer, and uh, Pedro Strope, But uh, it kind of cracked me up. Like, ah. ah, here I am with my heroes. <laughs> Remember when baseball players looked older than you? Anyway, I <laughs>
0: don't know. Are you able to see anything? I mean, you mentioned the arch. Are you Are you catching anything? Are you going to eat anything while you're in St. Louis?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i an eater. Um, we went out um, and we kind of looked around a bit. We're kind of isolated. We're right up against the river here, but we're right by the arch. I walked over there this morning. Uh, I'm going to go out and walk after we talk. There's a, a jazz club we're talking about hitting tonight, maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, St. Louis ribs. I, I like the smaller baby back ribs myself. I don't like the big beef ones, but uh, that might happen.
0: Right. So what is it like traveling with this troupe? Well, it beats the heck out of being a
1: stand-up comedian, you know. I I think that's probably a pretty lonely world when you're all by yourself and going to all these towns and we're, a, you know, a, a band of jesters. Uh, there's six of us. There's, you know, four actors and then uh, we have a piano player Bob Jerkesh and uh, Morgan uh, is our stage manager. Uh tour manager so there's six of us and so we uh, we keep each other pretty amused and uh it's pretty nice uh this whole gig has been a godsend ryan styles asked me about five years ago to fill in for a weekend and it's been five years now so uh it, it's been a, a blessing and it's it's we have a great time i must say
0: is it all guys
1: it's all guys uh as far as i know
0: we're all, <laughs> we're all men is it like a
1: brotherhood? It's uh it's like a it's like a brotherhood. It's like a guy's weekend uh every weekend kind of thing. But um yeah, no and, and we've got each other's back on stage and off stage and uh uh yeah, it is a brotherhood. And uh there's a lot of trust when you want to get up in front of an you know, audience of fifteen hundred so people uh and make up a show. Completely off the top of your head, you, you you better trust the guys you're with.
0: So, what do people say to you when they see you? For example, when you're in Atlanta, you're 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 in the elevator, you're coming down to the lobby of the hotel, and somebody maybe they, they traveled out and they they say, "Oh, I just caught the show." What do you find are people's reactions?
1: Um. We, you know, there's always the people that say, you know, ah, come on, you didn't make all that stuff up. And we did. Um, yeah, the other thing is they, you know, they've realized during the show, Oh yeah, I, I, I saw you, you were on shameless. I, I forgot all about that. Or, you know, and it often depends on my hair. If my hair is short, they they recognize me from mad men. And if it's long, they recognize me from other things. Uh, but generally people are, are, are pretty excited. And then we, uh, you know, we usually hang out after the show and uh, and greet some people, and uh, we usually end up at a hotel bar or at some bar and uh, talk about the show a bit, and uh, we'll run into people. And they're generally, you know, very nice and, uh, you know, want a picture. But that's about it. They're not uh, crazily starstruck.
0: Huh. Is there something that you do to prepare? Well... You know, I started studying improv with
1: Del Close in about 1984 uh, and I've been doing it, you know, pretty steadily since then. So I, I guess, you know, it's that outlier thing. Well, if you put in 10,000 hours of work, you're you're going to be prepared. Um, but as far as prepared, no, I, I, I have some coffee. Uh, then I, I move on to a, a big glass of scotch for the show. And that, that's all the preparation, really.
0: So what is your scotch of choice?
1: oh you know uh that's the thing morgan uh my stage manager he he gets something interesting all the time um as of late he's been getting glenn livet i like uh, the mccallan 12 when you're going to be doing a show and uh, not too oaky or anything uh you know i grew up uh <laughs> my uncle one time brought my mother a case of scotch for christmas because there was no scotch when he came over and he continued to do this for years. So I started drinking scotch at a young age, knowing that there only had to be enough for my uncle to have some when he was there. <laughs> and the rest of it would uh, be stolen by my brothers and I. So uh, we grew up drinking Chevis, which was my uncle's uh, scotch of choice. But, uh, I mean, there's all the Del Winnies and there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff. And Morgan will often surprise me with something that I've never had before.
0: We're joined by stage and screen actor Joel Murray. One of my absolute favorite films, just period, such a unique movie, would have to be The Artist. Every single moment is just visually great, and it's just such a great story. I'm hoping you can tell us some of your most vivid memories from that movie. Well,
1: uh... It was one of those Hollywood moments where your agent calls you and uh, says, yeah, I have an audition for you for at 5.30 on a Friday in Hollywood. And traffic-wise, that's just the worst-case scenario. And fortunately, I, I had a Vespa scooter, so when I, I'm in real trouble traffic-wise, I'll, I'll, I'll hop on the Vespa and zigzag my way. But I go, well, what is it for? And he goes, well, it's a, it's a, a French film. Um, well, it's a French... Silent film it, it's a French silent black and white film, and I'm like, are you kidding me and you know at that weekend, I don't know if that was four or five years ago now, uh everything was three d and this and that, and i are you kidding really and uh so I went to the audition on my Vespa and I pulled up and uh because it's you know for a silent, the director is having a glass of wine, and he's like, okay, now um, I liking the way you're looking um so uh. Now, say you're there, you're standing, and you see a bird fly over. Oh, I like the way you look at a bird. Oh, good. And, you know, it was all just this weird thing. Now a dog is coming to talk to you. And, oh, you don't want to be too friendly with the dog. No, the dog wants you to go with him. You don't want to go. And, you know, you're just miming this stuff out. And it was the craziest audition ever. And he basically, and now run in place, run in place. Now run very fast okay very good I like the way you run oh. and uh, <laughs> Michael hasvicvic Hazavec- uh you can spell that on your own time um, <laughs> was it was really sweet and I got the part and um, much of the role was literally chasing a dog in a uh, 1920s wool police outfit in uh you know wafer thin soled uh, boots and you know it was Hundred yard wind sprints. Then it was fifty yard wind sprints, and um, and then there was a you know a little bit. And I had uh, I had one scene where I, I pull Jean uh, Desjardins, Jean Desjardins out of the uh, fire, and I was expecting a little you know French guy like Lebeau on Hogan's Heroes or something, but he's a big guy. He's he's my size, so I had to go in this fire, which was a blazing fire in a set with the dog and the dog stopped immediately. Like, yeah, no, I'm not going any further. You go. <laughs> and uh, I would go in and pick him up. And there was all this burning film around and, and flame, you know, like up to your neck and uh, wildly toxic, I'm sure. But, uh, and I had to drag him out and down the stairs and out the door. Uh, it was, it was pretty crazy, but uh, it was a great experience. And, and when we were shooting scenes, you you asked, so I'm going to keep going uh <laughs> when we were shooting scenes because they weren't recording sound, you know sometimes they were just playing music, and uh I think this is the the kind of the vibe we're going for in this scene, and you know they'd be playing Edith Piaf or something in the background, and again, often drinking wine while we were filming, and uh it was it was surreal, and you know i was constantly thinking this is a joke. This is nuts. But every once in a while you get a a glimpse of the monitor or a playback of what he just shot. And you're like, Oh my God, this guy is making a masterpiece. This is absolutely gorgeous. And uh, it, it turned out to be just that. And um, I saw it for the first time in Toronto as part of uh, the Toronto international film festival in a uh, big, huge theater with like 2000 people in a nor enormous old art house, you know, circa 1910 theater with a, a enormous screen and curtains. And uh, it was funny. You could hear people gasping and all this because of it being silent. It was really the way to see the film. And uh, I was wildly impressed. And, and John Jean Desjardins Dij- Jean learned how to tap dance for that movie. He was not a dancer. So some of that stuff, you're like, Really?
0: Wow! Yeah,
1: I got up my game. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Well, fantastic movie, as I said. Now you've mentioned music a couple of times, and if somebody was to go on your social media, your Twitter or your Instagram, which they can do, it's Joel Murray Nine of Nine for both of those, they will find music is a reoccurring theme. There's a picture of you with the great Rodney Crowell, and so I'm hoping you can tell us. <laughs> I love Rodney Crowell. I'm hoping you can tell us about yeah. some of your musical loves.
1: Oh, well, I've uh, I've always been a huge fan of music. Um, I, you know, I grew up sleeping on the radio next to my bed uh, all my life. I, I like to fall asleep to it and wake up to it. But um, Rodney Crowell, by the way, is one of those people where you hang out with him and everything he says, you're like, wow, that's a song lyric. Wow. (laughs) He speaks kind of in poetry. He's just very, very cool. And uh, yeah, I I really enjoy him. But um, I'm lucky in that I get to, you know, see a lot of music. Um, I uh, am the host of the Hot Stove Cool Music thing, uh, which is uh, Theo Epstein's uh, fundraiser in Chicago at the Metro. And, uh, you know, I've I've gotten to meet and hang out with Eddie Vedder and and different people uh, because of it. That, uh, that event's always fun. I MC that music. Yeah. I play clarinet, uh, and I play saxophone and, uh, I always wished I had learned to play guitar, but I didn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I just, and, and on the road, we get a chance every once in a while to duck in and hear some music after a show. We were in a jazz club in, in, uh, I think Fort Collins, Colorado recently that just was phenomenal. Couldn't believe how good that was. But, uh, I don't know. Music, it's everywhere for me. I don't
0: know. I'm saying I don't know a lot. (laughs) You know, you mentioned this audition earlier, and Mm -hmm. it's an occupation where there's a certain amount of rejection. Do you think optimism is important when you're an actor, or for that matter, in anything?
1: I think, uh, yeah, completely. And, um... I, uh, I have to audition still, you know, people like, Oh, don't you get everything offered to you? No. Uh, I audition a lot. And I've always had the, uh, thing in my head that why not me? They're having an audition. They don't know who they want. They haven't given out the role. Why not me? So I've always gone in with that kind of positive attitude. Um, and I've gotten roles that, you know, were supposed to be 60 year old guys when I was 30 and you know, I've gotten roles that I wasn't right for, but I, I always go on the auditions just to practice, auditioning and uh a lot of people like oh i don't want to read for that well i'll I'll go just for the practice of it so when i do want something i'm on my game you know um and it's a the other thing about being an actor is it's a weird personal rejection it's not we don't want any of your fuller brushes we don't want any of your diet soda we don't want any of you Hmm. (laughs) and it's, it's it's uh so that can hurt you and a lot of people you know get Bewildered and, and give it up And uh, as I get older I, I see a lot of guys I used to audition Against that have you know, gone into Different fields and have given up on the acting And uh, I still am optimistic And uh, Still keep thinking Eh, wait at me this
0: could be me <laughs> Nonetheless, do you like the competitiveness Of, hey We don't know what's going to happen here Let's give it a shot
1: Well it's, you know, it's like playing the lottery too. You know, uh, you don't know what you're going to get. You can go and audition for a sitcom and you might end up on the big bang theory, making a million dollars a week. Um, you also might get something that is a pilot that never goes anywhere. So it, it it is this weird lotto game that you're playing. So you, you kind of got to go and you got to hope that the cards fall in the right angles. I've had times where, uh, when I auditioned for Dharma and Greg, I had just gone to network like three times for different things and I didn't get them. And I was wildly disappointed and I was driving home and my agent said, well, there's this audition, it's for a guest star on a pilot. And well, it's right by your house. Just just go, it, you know, it won't take you long. It's right on your way. And I went and I auditioned for it and I got five years on Dharma and Greg, five blocks from my house. But those other Three things that were guaranteed on the air and had these great people and everything never went. So had I gotten one of those, yeah, it would have it <laughs> would have been a, a week's work. But it ended up being five years for uh, because I was still available and I, I didn't get those.
0: So hmm. it's it's a weird business. Uh, you never know. Weird and interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a new location of the restaurant. We're talking about Murray Brothers Shack, and it's in Rosemont, Illinois, in the Chicago area. I'm hoping you can tell our listeners about one of the men behind the restaurant, Chef Andy Murray. Well, you're going deep.
1: Uh, yeah, my brother Andy's always been a cook. He's always, uh, he faked his IDs when he was like 14 years old so he could work at a restaurant. He's always worked at restaurants. And, uh, we've had a one down in St. Augustine, Florida, which might be, uh, closer to you Atlanta listeners, uh, for 18 years. And, uh, we're finally opening one on the outskirts of Chicago. It's right by the airport. If you have a long layover, there's actually a free shuttle bus uh, over the Crown Plaza Hotel. You can go to the Murray Brothers Caddyshack. But, um, Andy, uh, is a great cook and, uh, he makes kind of comfort food, uh, American food, uh, it's a, it's a great array of stuff. It's tasty. Um, one of my fondest memories as a kid was I, I used to fall asleep on the couch watching TV and Andy'd come in at like two in the morning and, um, we would decide we'd cook something at like two in the morning. And just as everything was about to be done, the noise of pulling a plate off a stack of plates, my mother would wake up and go, boys, what are you doing out there? And we would have these conversations with my mother, at, you know, like two thirty in the morning. And, uh, that was a that was a special time for some reason. She was always uh waxing poetic at that point. And uh we would have these great conversations and Andy would, you know, had just made omelets at two thirty in the morning or something like that. And uh that was one of my fondest memories. But the restaurant's great. It's got a lot of, you know, Caddyshack memorabilia. My brother Brian wrote the Caddyshack with uh Harold Ramis and Doug Kenny and uh Billy was in it, of course. My brother Ed was in it a little bit, and Johnny was in it a little bit, and Brian was Lou Loomis the Caddy Master. So, uh, uh, Caddy Shack has been very good to us. And we all, we all grew up caddying as a, as a way to make money quick. Uh, so, it's kind of funny that Caddy Shack has been uh, so beneficial to us.
0: Your brother, John Murray, has gone on the record saying that you're the funniest Murray of them all. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, first of all, I want to find where the record is.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's in print, I, I've never heard
1: that one. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, no, I I wouldn't go with that one. Uh, my brother Bill's pretty funny. My brother Brian is very funny. And John is very funny. We we grew up around a big dining room table as kids. And, uh, you know, everybody, you know, you, you tried to make my dad laugh with food in his mouth in the second half of the meal kind of thing. And uh, we all kind of... Derive some, uh, learning out of that and, and timing. Uh, and, uh, it, it, they're a funny bunch. It's a, it's a good meal. We used to actually have older brothers, friends would come by and it was almost like there was a second seating that people would sit around and watch our dining room table. Cause it was that humorous, but, uh, I don't think I'm the funniest, but hopefully I will be in Atlanta. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tuesday at the Tabernacle. Well, this is probably mm-hmm. a tough question, but who is the funniest person you have ever known? Oh, gosh! I mean, besides family,
1: I uh, the first couple celebrity golf tournaments I ever went on, I got to hang out with Alvy Moore, and Alvy Moore was the the Ranger on Green Acres, and he literally got me out of, you know, he he took the microphone on the bus on the way to the, the golf course. And he literally got me out of my seat and on the floor. I was laughing so hard. I I, I had no like muscle control. I, I just couldn't do anything but laugh and descend to the floor of the bus. So just, you know, I, I'm sure I'll rethink this after we hang up, but uh, Albie Moore was uh, one of the funniest guys I've ever met. And he and Frank Pace, is that his name? He was Mr. Drucker on Green Acres, and uh, uh, what was that other show they had, Petticoat Junction? He and his wife used to go to twenty-six celebrity golf tournaments a year, and so every other weekend, the four of them would go, and uh, it was pretty funny to you know just to see how much fun they were having with their lives, you know, late, late in their lives. Is it true that you
0: also teach improv?
1: I do. I uh I have um I just finished a stint uh teaching at UCLA. Um that was supposed to be more of a comic scene study class and I basically w- it, with agreement from the class they were like, "You know what? We'd rather do improv. We'd rather have you teach us improv." And I said, "Well, what you need to do is figure out what you do that makes you funny. So, yeah, you you should do some improv." So the class wasn't as much a scene study as it was supposed to be, uh, but uh, I've, I've taught improv over the years in different places. I mean, from UCLA, uh, we taught the the executives at Netflix years ago. We had a, a improv encounter weekend, and uh, we taught them. But I, I, I haven't haven't taught that many students. Um, years ago, I, I didn't want to teach them anything because I thought they'd be coming after my job. Why teach them? And, uh, then lately I just haven't had the time, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, because I, I did actually study with Del Close and I, I was, you know, not even 7% away from studying with the, the guru. Uh, I, I feel like I should pass on that information, but you know, who would have thought you'd be traveling around the country doing improv shows in your fifties? <laughs> I, this is probably when I should have been teaching, but instead I'm I'm performing still. So uh, maybe maybe in my sixties I'll I'll go teach.
0: There's this clothing line, the William Murray Golf line, and yes, was the William is that like a a way to make it more sophisticated? What was the inspiration behind that? <laughs>
1: Exactly. We were, we were trying to classy up Billy. Uh, <laughs> Billy didn't seem like a good golf line, but um, yeah, this is, you know, it was something that we talked about doing as brothers and uh, and we got into cahoots with these guys at the Chive website and they had the wherewithal to do it all immediately and have, you know, this crazy reach of their uh, website. So um, they, we kind of, Talked each other into to doing it together, and uh, it's been very good. It's it's fabulous stuff. It's very comfortable. I'm wearing uh, shorts and a shirt and a rain jacket right now, actually. But it, it's it's really good stuff, and it's really well made, and uh, there's a lot of thought goes into it, and uh, the brothers are in on the designs of it, and um, Billy's always had an interesting uh, <laughs> fashion eye we'll call it. And uh, so I, I think we all had an interesting fashion eye because, you know, we were from nine kids. You found things that somehow went together that most people wouldn't think went together or, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this plaid goes with this plaid. So yeah, we, uh, when you're dealing with hand-me-downs and things like that, you, you, you end up creating your own fashion sense. So we're getting it out there, and uh, it, again, it's doing well, and uh, most, of it, most of it's all online. There are some select uh, country clubs that have it for sale, but uh, 99% of it's online at this point.
0: You're going to be touring, as always, with this stage show, and also from all of your screen work. Who would you say that you have shared either stage time or screen time with that has impressed you the most?
1: oh well i've had some i've had some blessings i mean my first show when i got to los angeles uh i was hired off the stage at second city i i was in a show with john neville and john randolph and uh you know there was a hundred years of experience between those two guys when i'm i was starting out john neville you know was a great classical shakespearean actor i learned quite a bit from him um when I was in the second, I was with the likes of Mike Myers, Bonnie Hunt, Chris Farley, Tim Meadows, my good friend Dave Pasquazi. I happened to come up at a really good time to be with those people. John Hamm on Mad Men was really cool to work with. Uh, he and John Slattery both, but uh, well, everybody on that show. But there was something about Hamm, besides the fact that he had like a photographic memory and. You had to ha- up your game because you knew he knew all his lines. I, I remember sitting next to him one time, and he was preparing for a scene, and it was like ten degrees colder next to him because he, <laughs> he was acting like he was in a bad mood. But uh, he he has he has an amazing ability to uh, to change a room. I'm trying to think of who else I've acted with. This is one of those things. Like wow, it's a lifetime. I've worked with some good people. Hmm. A lot out there. I, I just did a movie called The Last Word, and uh, I got to work with Shirley MacLaine, and uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, and she had just kind of this confidence about her that you you couldn't help but pick up from. But uh, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, I'll I'll have somebody else to mention the next time <laughs> we talk. You know.
0: What do you hope people say about you when you're not around?
1: <laughs> uh, he's a good man. <laughs> uh, he, he was always on time. I like that about him. He knew his lines. He wasn't a pain in the ass. Uh, there's a lot of that in this business. Um, what would they say? Yeah, I, I think you know that's what you're striving for in life, is to have people say, yeah, he, he, he's a good man. I like him. I don't know if that always uh, equates to work in Hollywood, because, I mean, there's there, there's people that are notorious jerks and uh, downright home invaders and all kinds of things like that that get all the breaks, and it doesn't really work on the, on the other side of that spectrum. Like, oh, yeah, we should hire him. He's fun.
0: He's nice to the crew. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't always work. In closing, I always like to leave... Very open-ended. I like to give the guests the stage. Just let them take the microphone. Within reason, of course. (laughs) So, for anyone who's listening in, what would you say to them?
1: (laughs) Just take the mic, Joel. (laughs) On any level, what would you say to them? Well, I happen to be here where the Chicago Cubs are staying. Uh, And I've had the honor of staying at the Thompson Hotel in Chicago where uh, our manager lives. And I don't think he lives there anymore, but he's one of the nicest men in the world. And he's had great success, but one of the things he always says after like talking to him for five minutes, he says, what are you doing for somebody else though? And he'll try to get you involved into his projects and Joe madden has got a lot of things that he does, you know, to help out other people. But he wants to know what you're doing to help out other people. And uh, I think that there's enough self-centeredness in the world that you really have to take some time to help out other people. And you're going to you're going to learn a lot more about yourself and you're going to feel good about it. I was asked once what was the best improv advice I had ever gotten and I had done a show and I had failed miserably. And my brother Bill had come. It was the first time he'd ever seen me get up and improvise and I didn't do well. And we, we drove home and it was really quiet. And, uh, it was, it was like, I had lost the little league world series or something like that. It was just, nothing was said. And eventually he goes, you know, I meet a lot of people and I, uh, a lot of people want to talk to me about me and, you know, as an improviser, Sometimes it's better, what's always better, to, to ask them about them and find out what they do. And, oh, you're, you're an actuary. Oh, what does that entail? And ask them questions about their job. And not only are you not then talking about yourself, which you know all those answers and you know, you know that's not going to give you anything, you're going to learn about that person and you're going to make that person feel better. And it's going to make you a better improviser because some night somebody's going to throw out actuary and you're going to have to perform. And all of a sudden you're going to say, God, I met I met Jim Dutton that time and he's an actuary and he does this and that. And then you're going to have something in your holster to draw, you know. And uh, so I I guess in summary, yeah, ask what the other guy does. Don't make it about you. And uh, think about doing something for somebody else today.
0: Man, what a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> One more question. Yeah. I oh, allowed?
1: you said in closing. Okay.
0: <laughs> One more. Who is Joel Murray? Oh, well, there's a, uh,
1: there's a religious uh, instructor in England, there's a, 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 a Thai boxer uh, in Malaysia. Uh, There's a couple younger kids. Uh, You find these things out through Twitter. Um, (laughs) Who's Joel Murray? Uh, It was a very uncommon pairing of a a Hebrew first name and an Irish last name. So I I was the only one for a long time. But there's a few out there. Joel Murray's a a father of four. Uh, He was a coach. He's an actor. He's a writer. He's a director. He's a bon vivant. He's uh he's a guy and if you need a guy in your uh, in your show <laughs> I could play that guy uh that's that's about it he's a, he's a he's a normal guy he's an everyman.
0: well thank you very much for making the time to talk to us it's been a great pleasure well, it was my pleasure it was an interesting interview thank you I had a little bit of work usually <laughs> we just talk about the show <laughs> well I appreciate it. Great. All right.
1: Well, I'm going to go walk around St. Louis. Enjoy. In my Cubs hat. Okay.
0: All right. Godspeed. Uh, take speed. Care. Have a good one.
1: You too. Pleasure. You too. Bye-bye. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by
0: Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time.